And we're back for another episode of Stream of Thought. This is episode number 213. Guys, I lost a couple very important items. The two days were quite disastrous. But I learned a couple things in the process. And then we talk about skate gear, what I did, and what my experience was like upgrading my skates. And then, speaking of apparel, we have a conversation about dress attire how far will you roll up your sleeves if you're wearing a dress shirt, and how do you do it? And then finally, we roll out everything with a good old-fashioned conversation about N64. So with that being said, episode number 213 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> So I have to ask before before we start. Kind of kind of curious. Uh, is this is this multi unbuttoned shirt thing the standard uh, attire that you go out in? <laughs> I, I'm surprised you're missing you're missing like three buttons. It, it's going down as you were adjusting your screen. I was just like, oh wow, okay, someone's flexing right now. I can already tell by the way that you were asking that question that you're the type of guy that probably buttons every single button to the very top. That is not true. That is not true. It's only in clerical situations where I've got to have the collar on. Other than that, I always leave the top button unbuttoned. But I mean, dude, three buttons? Come on, man. The top button, the one that goes across your Adam's apple, that's the one you leave unbuttoned. Of course. Dude, (laughs) there is a... uh... There's a discrepancy, to say the least, between how we go about wearing our clothes. Okay, enlighten me then. If you, if you need it explained to you, oh, it's, it's, it's one it of those be... things. Okay, <laughs> okay cool. Not on... I get it. Not on the podcast, Rick. Not on the podcast. No. Uh, it's. I can't explain it because you don't live out here, but also it's just my oh. style. It's just the whole – I mean like I wouldn't be I, – okay, I wouldn't be having it buttoned down. Okay, first of all, it's not unbuttoned <laughs> like crazy. Okay? I mean you could – like it was getting the, close to like totally un, unraveling And right I now. would really only count this as having two buttons undone because the one that goes across the Adam's apple, I don't even count that as a button. No. Right? So really just the first and second button. Now – you caught me in my, uh, like I'm not doing anything. I'm not going out. But even if I went out, fuck it, I don't even care, bro. I'd go out with the whole thing unbuttoned. I mean, obviously not inside of a restaurant or at the airport or something, you know. So, so I will agree that the only time that you should have the top button buttoned is if you're wearing a tie. Exactly. Outside of that, you should always have that. And then I'm also somebody too. I don't know if this is a weird thing, but basically since I started wearing dress shirts, like 18 years old or older, I've always rolled up my sleeves unless I'm wearing a jacket. Like I always have it kind of, and you've seen me too, like in some of my clerical attire, I always have, you know, kind of the forearms exposed, but I don't know if that's, if you just buy short, short shirts or if that's something, because I have a couple of short shirts, but it comes up to like halfway through the bicep and it's, it doesn't look as good as if you have the rolled up sleeves, like you're a working man or something like that. I don't know. I understand. Yeah. Like, like you're probably you're wearing. wearing the wrong short sleeve sh- uh, shirts because, uh, first of all, I want to talk about this sleeve rolling. I know exactly what I'm going to say, but I don't know what you're going to say, but I'll come back to that in a second. But, yeah, if you – short-sleeved, button-down shirts are a gamble. They don't have to be. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to look like a fool. Half, More than half of it is just the style of the shirt. Is it a cool-looking shirt? If it's a basic-ass shirt, good luck. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's a bravado, Right. There's a demeanor, there is a there is an air to the way one carries oneself when they are wearing clothes. That is true. The clothes give I've you never a certain the clothes give you a certain pinch of confidence. And in turn, the confidence 
then lift up the clothes even more. And here we are into this dance of magic between the article of clothing and the individual wearing it. Now, it, does that require a fashion sense, like an understanding of your like self-awareness that Absolutely. extends beyond... That's Absolutely. Awesome and okay. it doesn't necessarily need to be fashion like you're wearing something that everyone else is wearing because fashion is a collective idea of what's cool, right? It's got to be your own personal style. I'm laughing right now because I've, I've seen I've seen some of your shit on Instagram. It's like not in a million years would I be caught dead wearing some. But of that also, stuff you need to understand so too the context in which in which the clothes are being worn. What part of the world are, are you? What is the culture like where you're from? Right? Yeah. No, that's because that's I fair. would I think of myself when I'm back home in Glen Ellen, and what I would wear. Like it, I would. I have clothes that are just so bright and loud, right? It yes. would be so. It'd be. It would be too much for DuPage County. It would be too crazy, right? I would stand out like a sore thumb. I'd stick out like a sore thumb, man. I would like it's. It's. I would be the black sheep. It's so obvious, especially because we're from there and everyone dresses the same. Everything you don't realize so how much conformity there is to where you're from until you leave. And then where you live, there's no conformity. And then you go back and you're like, whoa, I was living in this? Right. I So I ha- I don't think that I've ever experienced that dramatic of a shift. But I have noticed kind of the cultural dress between Chicago and New York City. Like there's it, – it's subtle but it's distinct. And if you're not wearing the right thing, then you do kind of stick out in that way. I never thought about that before. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, culture. Also, because huh. it's uh, because it's just sunny outside all the time, right? It's just like, why not wear stuff that's colorful and crazy patterns and right? It it fits the mood, right? Yeah. But colorful, crazy patterns don't fit the mood. I mean, you can still wear them. It's just, I mean, go anywhere. The style is different in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world. And anyway, going back to you talking about wearing the long sleeves. A dress shirt with a rolled up sleeve. Yeah. How do you roll the sleeves? I fold it over. I fold it over. And so I keep it. How many times? Uh, normally it's one, two, three, typically. Three folds over. And the folds, I imagine, are the width of the... The cuff. Uh, cuff. Yes. Yeah. And so it, it typically is a little bit more just so it doesn't get bunchy. I, I just want it to seem as though, and I have pretty thin shirts too, so you can't really notice the bulge. But yeah, three times over. Typical. Ricks, I'm very proud of you. I'm giving you, uh, I award you 1,000 fashion points. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I think that's the I first time anyone has ever said anything that kind about me. Uh, but here, fashion. this, listen, listen. Okay. There are people listening that are probably thinking, you know, the three folds over the width of the collar is a heinous act, which I can – I understand that. But no one out there knows Rick's as well as I do, and this is a big accomplishment for him. The rolling of the sleeves on a dress shirt is a great move, right? That is a standard to – if when you're not wearing the jacket, right, to look sharp and professional, but still it says, hey – I like to take it easy also. But. What's the but? This is a big but. If you roll the sleeves, you also got to loosen the tie. If you are wearing a tie. If you are wearing a tie, you do not you do not wear that tie crisp and clean. Just give it a little bit of a loose. A little bit of a toggle if the sleeves are rolled up. That is interesting. I... And make sure you unbutton that very top apple or Adam's apple button. While after you loosen up the uh, tie, that's a, that's some solid advice right there. It it is interesting though because if I'm wearing a tie, typically I'll have a suit jacket with me, and so everything just stays neat and tidy. I don't roll up the sleeves or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I I could see how the, yeah I I don't know. It's just intuitive. I feel like it makes me feel like I'm I'm you know the saying like ready to roll up your sleeves and get to work. 
I mean, that's, right. I don't know, that's kind of the attitude that I have for myself. And so normally I would say, I mean, even when I was back at Downers Grove uh, seven, eight years ago, uh, as a minister, I would come into work without a tie, top button, unbuttoned, sleeves rolled up, ready to get to work. And that was just, that's been my modus operandi for since I was in college, I think, is when I started doing that. That's good. I also, um, when I, I can't remember what, when I learned this. This is a long time ago. This is probably like right after or in college. Rolling of the sleeves, right? That took me, this you is, there. You can roll the sleeves, I think, four in four ways. I only know the best way. The way that you described was like the number four, like the most basic way, which is fine. Yeah. But this way, you make sure the button, obviously, of course, is all the, the lo- is loose on the forearm. You take the cuff and you bring it up so that the bottom of the cuff is folded over where your forearm meets your bicep. And so it's folded over only one time. So it's so now the material is half the length that it was. Now the material sits in between your wrist and your elbow while the cuff is sitting where the where the bicep meets the forearm and there's a you know an inch or two above that from the cuff. And then what you do is you do it again. So you fold it halfway and then you fold it halfway over. Like origami. And the cuff and the and and then you stuff it. And so there's like a little bit of a crimping thing that happens, but it sits nice and secure around your elbow and it's still folded upwards and it's just another way to do it. That's the way I always do it. Yeah. Well, okay. So to be perfectly honest, um, before, because this whole like rolling, uh, uh, folding from the cuff thing is probably in the past two or three years. Nah, more than that, like four years, uh, before I used to just literally roll it. And I that was is like, the, that is that the is most the immature and childish things <laughs> a grown man can do. It's that so is acceptable true. for a teenager. That is not acceptable for a grown ass man. No. I'm happy you changed your ways. Uh, well, dude, I mean, not not to mention that it adds into the the fact that it totally wrinkles the shirt too, and it becomes unless you take it to a dry cleaner, which I normally don't. I'll I will okay. And so this is probably another major fashion faux pas. Uh, when I have a wrinkled shirt, I'll throw it in the the dryer and the washer. Or if it's a clean shirt that's gotten wrinkled just by sitting out there, I'll throw it in the dryer with a bunch of other clothes and stuff like that to allow the heat to dissipate the wrinkles. And that's kind of my, my cheap man's alternative to going to the dry cleaner. Cause typically it works when I bunched up. It the, does work. Yeah. I don't know. I'm uh, yeah. I, I, I look for the most efficient manner to be able to keep my wardrobe looking relatively professional. I just started, uh, ironing, my clothes on a regular basis, which sucks because sometimes I spend, you know, maybe five it or ten minutes so on long. each shirt. It takes so yes. long time, but there are shirts. How should I say this? The easiest way to say this is once you take the time to iron a couple of shirts, you think, oh my goodness, I need to do this for all of my shirts. Instead of ironing when you need to iron, iron proactively instead of reactively. And it's a game changer. It's just, you're thinking, oh my goodness, the shirt is so crisp. I have to do this all the time now. Yes. And I have had moments like that where I will get into this um, ironing like mode and just go for literally like an hour, just going through all the shirts in my closet, anything that I'm going to be wearing in the next couple of weeks, go through, go through, go through. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it does feel good. It's just, I mean, it's so tedious and it's so precise too, because you gotta, you gotta iron it right on the seam of the shirt. Otherwise, uh, I've made that mistake where it just it fucks up everything. It looks yep. super off, and, and you gotta be like, very gotta careful go because back. sometimes you can fuck it up, and you gotta like pull part of it with your finger. But that's where you you use the water, like the water pistol, instead of the steam. You just get it wet with the wa- where it shoots out the water. Hold your finger there. Go in very slowly with the very front, the edge, and then move your finger and uh, get the wrinkle out. Because sometimes if you are not careful, 
you can create a wrinkle and then you need to be really careful yes. getting out so you don't burn your fingers because you have to stretch out the material. Yes, that has happened to me so many times. I've never I've never figured out the the precise science, but Bro, have I, you seen yeah. them iron shirts at the cleaners? No. You know how all cleaners, I don't know if this is a law. It seems to be the industry standard where you walk in and you see the entire operation the second you walk in. All the clothes, you know what I'm saying, everything hanging, the machine moving. It's like, whoa, there is no wall. There is no separator between the sales floor and the uh, the operating room, right? And so I see through the corner, I see this guy doing some shirts. They just throw, they straight up like throw it over this uh this dummy and it's so fast it's so almost like a person is wearing it right and then they blow like hot air through it or something it's just and then another one is like they just throw it over this thing pull this thing down press a button and you hear the air shoot out and then they lift it up and the thing is fucking done and it's like what did i just watch how are they so right savvy and it's just one after the other Ironing one shirt literally takes, you know, five seconds is slow. It's probably from the time that they they touch it to work with it, from the time that their hand releases it after it being done, three seconds. I wish I, I had that skill and expertise. Unfortunately, I have to labor over a shirt for like 15 minutes just to, to get <laughs> good to go. So but another thing, too, that I hope that you do is, uh, real quick, and then we can change the subject, for... Uh, basic white tees. Once you start getting pit stains, throw that motherfucker out. The fa- the the slightest shade of off white, throw oh. that shit out. And then on your dress shirts, when you wear them enough times, and, and you know the the sweat just starts to become a stain around the neck or even in the pits, just go to the cleaners. They clean that shit right out. It's unbelievable. Anyway, changing gears. Just marinate. Just uh, let that marinate. Sleep on it. Uh, so guess what happened to me? I lost my sunglasses and my AirPods. No. You lost something before. I can't remember. We talked about it on a podcast like a month ago. It was the charger. It was the charger case for the AirPods. For the AirPods. Okay. I lost them. They, I left them at the park when I was trying to relax Though when there were like 12 kids running and screaming, being extremely disruptive and being a bunch of fucking dumbasses. Right. Yes. And this is still – this was still when uh, – honestly, bro, I don't even know if this was a year ago. Time goes by so fast. But it was still when – it was before the vaccine, I think. I think it I was think like so a year. Too, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was before the vaccine because it was this. There was like a group of twenty people, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't know people. That was still taboo to gather in groups of you know ten or twenty people. That was a definite no. You just did that behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, but okay, so so both your sunglasses and your AirPods. No, my sunglasses I just left while I was at the beach. I remembered that I forgot them at the beach when I got to my car, so like five minutes later, and I was just too lazy to text one of my friends who was there to ask, hey, are my sunglasses there? And someone probably just grabbed them. I don't know. And then the next day... (laughs) It wasn't really that much of a story. The next day, though, I was at the dispensary, and they have these inflatable chairs that you can sit in outside and I was sitting outside and I think I left them in that chair and then I left for the day and you know after I bought my weed and then I realized it I think the next day or later that day I was like shit I didn't even bother I mean I actually went back there two days later but it was definitely gone someone definitely saw it and swiped it but I definitely had it when I left my apartment before going there that's how I know I lost it there you don't strike me as somebody who loses things very often or misplaces things. Like you, you tend to be very precise when you know where things are and where you left them. I am totally the opposite, and I swear, dude. It, I mean, that was one of the, one of my biggest fears, especially being out 
in New Jersey and doing all these weddings and stuff like that is that I would just have like a satchel full of obviously the ministry stuff, but then I'd also have my tech stuff. So uh, if I needed to, I had my Bluetooth headphones, I had all this stuff. And my biggest fear is that I would open up the bag, take something out, forget to put it back in, and then not remember that I'd done that and then go back home. And so having that in the back of my mind every time that I would do that made it a little easier. And I actually, I'm very proud of myself. The time that I was there, didn't lose anything. But now that I'm back in Chicago for a little bit, suddenly everything's going missing. I'll play something down and just totally forget where it is. I've got my other set of headphones that I normally use when we're recording this podcast. I have no idea where it is. You are correct. I do not lose things very often. It is very upsetting when I can't find something. And I definitely do not lose things that are of any uh, tangible value, really. And so... That was a very that was a surprise. That was a striking blow. Okay, so I'm gonna ask what the most valuable thing that you have lost is, and I'm gonna share mine. I'm assuming it's the earbuds, but for me, for some reason, so I'd gotten these Oakley sunglasses in college or something like that. They like running glasses. And I would wear them every time I went out on run when it was sunny out, stuff like that. I mean I don't know. I don't know about you. Maybe this is a whole different conversation. I like to hide my eyes when I'm exercising, like, or running or something like that. I I like to hide my eyes all the time, but the new sunglasses I got, you can see my eyes through it a little bit, but they look way different and they're kind of stylish, so I like it. But yes, I also enjoy having that uh, layer of protection and privacy and a, a shield from the rest of the world because i like i'm i'm somebody who has wandering eyes and so i'm constantly just being aware of my surroundings and my eyes just dart back and forth Uh, it's subconscious i just like knowing especially if i'm running yeah they're great too to just zone out also (laughs) like that's all you're standing there people are trying to you're trying to figure out plans with people you're just like fuck this and then you just zone out um but I lost uh, – the most valuable thing I lost was the – my phone, my iPhone 5 when I got it. I lost it within seven days. I was in a taxi and I got out of the taxi and like 10 seconds later I realized I didn't have my phone and I stopped and I turn around and there's the taxi turning the corner driving away. So for lost and found, I mean these sunglasses, I – had just gotten back from a run, and I can't remember what I did with them, and they just disappeared. And they're they're gone into the ether, you know, kind of like socks are behind the washer. And I'm wondering, on the flip side of that, what's something that you thought was totally lost that you ended up finding? Because I think it's these exact headphones that I'm using right now. Like, two or three years ago, I was uh, taking the dog out to, you know, do his business or something like that, and... I. I had taken my headphones off and they end up falling on the grass. And then maybe two weeks later, my, uh, one of my parents was out in the yard. They were like, uh, oh, these are headphones. And then brought them in. Otherwise, I mean, if we had done the lawn or anything like that, it was during winter. So it was like a little colder. But if we had, right. if we had done anything, it would have been lost for good. I was like, oh, that's so nice. And they still work to this day. So... That's happened to me, but I cannot pinpoint an exact item. I, I spend most of my life searching for things, it feels like. <laughs> I mean, I'll just put something down, and it's like, okay, so I'm going to retrace my steps. Here's where I was for the last 24 hours. Here are all the locations that I visited. Let's go back. Let's find it. I would say I'm probably about 70% successful in tracking down those things that end up just getting lost nice. in the muddle. I know. Speaking of uh, tracking things down, bro... You're never going to believe what I found the other day. So for me, well, you probably don't understand as much, but this is huge for me. So for the longest time, I've been wanting to upgrade everything on my skates. Like I need new boots. I need a new plate. Like I need to, you know, I need new everything. I'm ready to level up. I can feel that the boot and what I have is keep is holding me down, right? And so I have an idea of what I want to buy. And uh, so I have an idea of what I want to buy. And but the par- the problem is everything is sh- so it's like hit or miss when you go to the store, 
or try and order something online in terms of skate gear. Like it's better now, but it's just become so popular with the pandemic. It's like hit or miss. And a lot of these places too don't really uh, like a couple of the websites you're trying to like, I don't know, item description. Like just be fucking thorough when you are describing an item. Don't give me this fucking option to like select three or four different things and then hit click the compare button. And then, and then you see all the pictures and it's like, you know, white, black. Artistic, jam, indoor, outdoor, aluminum, nylon. Like, be give me something more than basic. Give me something more than basic. This is a huge, reputable brand. Everyone buys it. Uh, this is their website. Anyway, uh, I got some new skate boots. I'm super excited about it. And I bought them from this guy who sells them out of his garage. He's, like, known to sell all these all these boots. And, uh, and it was awesome because I'm there with a couple friends and we're there for like at least two hours just shooting the shit, talking all about skate stuff. And the experience was so magical. It was just, you don't know what you're missing until you experience, uh, you know, what you, what you needed. I will never again. And I never did. I kind of got it on Amazon. But, like, people in the store, the guy's like, I started doing this because I realized the people I talked to in the store don't know what they're talking about. I got to talk to someone who's been skating for a long time. They just, like, educated me on a bunch of stuff. It was awesome. Like, we both love skating. My friends and I had a great time. And it was so much better than, like, going into the store. Sometimes they know what they're talking about. Sometimes they don't. Like, the websites don't really describe in full detail what you're looking for. There, for some reason, what you're looking for, no one on YouTube has created a video about it, you know. And so finally, I find this guy. My friends go, and it was the most magical experience ever. Got new boot, got new plate, got new wheels, got new bearings, got some cushions. It was like, it felt, it was customized, right? It felt customized, and it was the best experience ever. So. What's the what's the level of improvement you feel like with the the new upgrades or the more refined? Well, I well here's the thing. I haven't got this was just the other day. I have okay. not gotten them back <laughs> you yet. Got it yet. No, because he's putting it together for me. Wow, he's putting everything together. And then as soon as he said something like he had mentioned something like yeah, you know, putting a plate onto a onto a boot, uh, it's an art. And I sat there. I'm like. Wow, take all the time you need. I don't know. I'll probably I'll get it in a few days. But uh it wasn't something that was gonna be immediate. Yeah, it was just an overall just wonderful experience. We were the three of us, we were so happy the whole day. We go skating later, we're telling all of our friends, we're just sitting there in complete awe, like I cannot believe this ha-. because it also just happened so fast. Because I'd been thinking about this now for at least a month or two. And I knew that they'd be difficult to find, but I was like, let me just, you know, I don't want to fork over the money right now. Let me just work with what I have and I'll get to it later. But then as time continued, I was thinking, I was like, okay, six months will be a good time marker to upgrade and get new boots from the ones that I, that I first started with. Because like I said, I can feel them holding me back. I put on the boots, right? It's just the boots. It doesn't have the wheels or the plates on it. It's just the boots. I put them on. Bro, I it was unbelievable. I could not believe what I was feeling. It's it was just it was magic. It was absolute magic. There was actually, uh, and my selection was a lot. My, I have slim pickings because he had a ton. Of, uh, one because um, my boot was well, pretty much the only reason was because my foot is a size 12, which means I need a size 11 because they size them one size smaller. So I didn't really have very many options, right? That's on the bigger end of the spectrum, spectrum, right? And so I put on one pair and they were uh, just amazing. I didn't get, they didn't fit, but they were a step above what I got. But what I got was still really great. Dude, like... I can't – I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know if this is redundant, but I just – words truly cannot describe the feeling of slipping in your feet in a pair of boots and the boots just say, 
we found each other. And it's like, oh, it's like Avatar, right? When I slipped my <laughs> shoes, my feet yeah. into the boots, wow. it was like Avatar. Yeah. That's exactly what the experience was. And all three of us had that experience. And like, we all felt like our boots found us. And we got other things, right? The plates or wheels or whatnot. And it was just a big win. But it was such a big win. It was basically because of this guy and how knowledgeable he was. Was that was that the yes. the, the because seminal he was, point? Because he, yes, because he was extremely knowledgeable. He was super cool, also, and he had inventory, and he keeps it low key, and so you kind of only know about him through word of mouth. He doesn't advertise or anything. Yeah, right. And he was telling us. Like, yeah, I don't advertise. I want to, you know, this is how I want to do things. I'm like, that's perfect. Like, call it, do things the way you want to do it. Like, don't feel like you have to put up with bullshit. Like, and what, when you set the tone, when you set the bar, you attract like things, right? So, mm-hmm. and he was always saying, he was super cool. Like, however, however you find me, you don't have to buy anything. Just I want you to learn if there's anything I can teach you or what, or you can walk away with knowledge, which is real cool. But, um, yeah, it was, it was magic, man. It so was magic. The, the, the only thing that I can have to compare to that, first of all, yes, I have had those shoes where the moment that I put them on, it's like, oh, these are great shoes. But I'm not an expert in shoes. I'm not like an aficionado and stuff like that. I just think to uh, drywalling, for example, I mean, <laughs> something that I'm going to be doing for my parents um, probably in the next day or so is... Uh, repairing drywall. And the thing that I learned is that when you come across an expert who knows everything that there is to know, they can do something and just make it magical. Because there were so many people who uh, we, we ended up working with that were like, this crack has been here forever. We've had people come in, tape it up before, do stuff like that. It just keeps coming back. We we don't know what to do. Da, da, da. And what we would end up doing is fixing it totally. But that was because of the experience of somebody who was an expert, who was not a self promoter. And it was just through word of mouth. Oh my goodness. You know, they repaired this crack and it didn't come back for the next 20 years. I didn't think that that was possible. And now it's possible. Dude, the experience of an expert is just so valuable. It's also important. Like, don't be fucking cheap. That's like, spend the, that's money the other on things thing that you need too. to spend money on, yes, right? Yes, totally. <laughs> Completely. Like, when you're with skating, obviously when you're first starting, go with stuff that's basic, right? Go with stuff with go with stuff that's basic. You don't need to spend exorbitant amount of money, right? Like the 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 stuff that's fancy and expensive is not going to make you good at something. You need to be good and then you can get that stuff. But uh, the crazy thing too, uh, cause this guy only does cash and I brought a thousand dollars with me. I was, I knew I wasn't going to spend a thousand dollars, but I just thought, bought it. And he's just telling me about stuff. We're talking, talking and like, we didn't start talk about like pricing stuff until near the end. But if he told me, you know, it's $900, I would have gladly gave him here here's 900 i'm not even going to contest this because this is totally worth it or if it's you know if, and then i'm adding this stuff up and uh i'm like holy shit i paid so much less and received so much more in return not just material things in exchange for my time and the money i'm spending yes when I'm looking at the specs that I'm getting for these boots, also because he does it just – he just, uh, you know, does it out of his base. There's no sales tax bullshit, right? You just this is the boot. This is what this costs. This, you know, right? You just add it up and there's no sales tax crap. And so you don't have to deal with that. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, how is this even possible? And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is a, this is a moment in space and time. Where somehow my love and dedication manifested this, where I got this huge return 
And in this universal transaction, my output was so much greater than the input. I was like, how, how did this – I spent less than $700 and I got – dude, I'm doing the math on some of this stuff and I'm just like, holy cow, the, this – the retail pricing is so much more expensive. I'm just like, I don't, does not compute. Like, can't figure it out. <laughs> Dude, I honestly, though, I feel like that was only possible because of your, your own passion and expertise in the area. Cause right. you probably wouldn't have found this person beforehand where suddenly revelation. Right. Oh my goodness. This person actually exists. It's perfect yeah. harmony. Yes. And they've done – I don't know if they still do it because of the pandemic. I think they – I don't know if they're too busy doing boot stuff. But I think uh, – because they gave the, – he gave me his business card and it was different than the one that someone had taken a picture of and sent it to me a couple months back or a few months. It was just a little bit different. But like it said beginner too. So like it doesn't matter. You don't have to be like in this secret society or – but it's just by word of mouth, no, no matter how that eventually gets you to him, you know. But uh, it was just like – I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I am left without speech. (laughs) (laughs) Have you you ever thought about kind of on a tangential note doing like a short or something like that on – I don't know if if Instagram has shorts now, but like everyone's doing these short things – yeah. If you've ever Bro, thought about you, you got to get on the Instagram train. There's Reels and there's IGTV. Reels can be 15 to 60 seconds. IGTV can be, you know, typically it's at its longest 10 or 15 minutes, but cuz I've I've seen I've seen a couple of the Instagrams of you um I, I don't I don't know what you you call like slang terminology for you just skating really well like in the middle of a street or something like that. That I've seen is there is there where it's not like grinding the, <laughs> grind the pavement or something like that. Like just when I'm in the zone, when I'm just vibing out. You're you're just vibing, and someone's taking a video of you, and yeah. it's on the Instagram. <laughs> like, is there? I don't know if there's a term for that. <laughs> I get I get what you're saying. Uh, we a couple of us thought about uh, creating like this uh, mockumentary. Uh, type thing and putting it on, on Instagram. But yeah, I understand I'm... what you're saying, but I haven't done anything <laughs> other than like 15 or 30 seconds at a time. Okay. Well, and part of the reason why I asked too is cause, so we're, we're working on uh, some of the church digital media right now, me and brother Zachary. Now Deacon Zachary uh, finally got uh, ordained to his, his diaconate. And we're talking about trying to reach people on social media and all the the audiovisual platforms that are out there and i know that shorts i mean it started off with i forget who started off with the shorts of just with uh, tiktok i think was the the first one who kind of led that charge and then i think facebook picked that up and now youtube's picked it up I get, apparently instagram has oh it too. like well tiktok uh theirs are like no longer than 15 seconds yeah they're super short yeah sometimes they're only like three or four seconds but they're the attention span for tiktok yeah is a lot shorter they've shortened it i guess right and so now youtube and facebook instagram whatever like now they you know it's like the 60 second mark anything 60 seconds or less included in a short i just like this is is just so i mean it makes sense it totally makes sense it's just super unfamiliar to me and i don't know it's 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 a whole new world where it's like i should probably be aware of this if i'm gonna be doing like visual sure. media stuff but yeah i mean everyone out here is very familiar with uh, i mean because there's no reason for someone not to do what they love i mean this, i was thinking of this formula earlier there's absolutely no reason for someone not to be successful, whether that's monetary or non-monetary. Eventually, the money just comes flowing whether you want it or not because you're so good at what you do. But all you have to do is just talk about what it is that you love and just put it on the internet. That's all you have to do. 
That just seems so narcissistic. I mean, there's more to it, right? Okay, so that's a little bit of an oxymoron. But at its core, (laughs) that's it. Just start talking about what you love. And then while you're doing that, then then things come up where you realize you can do certain things better or be more creative. But you just need to start. You just need to start, right? And so because it's so accessible and inexpensive now than it was even 20 years ago, right? Uh, Now everyone's doing it. And so, yeah, even though I can tell that you've never paid attention to this digital world that has been going on the last, you know, particularly the last 10 years in particular. But I can see that the look on your face, you're telling me without words, Victor, I am inquisitive of social media. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yes. And part- you've always liked editing and doing digital stuff, and now you're like, now you're thinking of like that. You're what you're telling is telling me is, I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. You're gonna be having fun with it. I, I don't know. In a I- different way than VNR. In a different way than straight up. Right. And so part part of the reason why that question was sparked was uh, I, for the first time, ended up doing a, a promo video for the, the church, um, going back to in-person services. It's like, oh my God, I totally forgot how much I really enjoyed doing that stuff. I mean, it was a lot of work and the payoff was minimal, if anything, but I loved doing that stuff. But I also hated the social media interaction because it's not just about posting something. It's also about, like, being responsive to the people who, like, comment on whatever it is that you're putting out there. It's like If you hate the interaction or the engagement that's required, then you're either doing – then you either need a break because you've lost sight of why you are doing it or you're not doing what is maximizing your potential or – enthusiasm like maybe it's the wrong thing because when i'm on instagram now and it's anything that's roller skating commenting or sharing or whatever like i don't even care i think it's fun i like it and it's rewarding when people comment back not because of you get the comment but because there's a shared interest and yeah i get tired of it and so i have to put it down sometimes i feel like i get burned out but if you right off the bat you're hating to have to do the engagement then hire someone else to do it or maybe what you're trying to make work isn't the number one thing that you're supposed to be doing you know right well and so for me when it comes to because i don't know i mean i feel like everyone has that sort of sense on social media these days whether it's facebook posting or whether it's you know putting something on twitter a lot of people just want to get their thoughts out there and don't care what other people think or just a lot of people need a fucking therapist let's lay that foundation a lot of people just need someone to fucking listen and throwing shit on the internet and being disruptive of you know the you know disturbing the peace just for a reaction sorry i had to throw that i just had to insert that uh i just had to plug mental health and the importance real quick continue dude i i 100 (laughs) percent agree man that that is so true and then i mean so for me it's interesting because when it comes to like social media stuff i like i'm not somebody who wants to who likes to keep my private life private and likes to keep kind of what i do within the family if that makes sense And I think part of it, putting it out on social media where anybody can see it, there's great potential. I mean, with Father Joe doing Jersey Shore and stuff like that, I mean, the amount of attention and attraction that goes to that. But for me, that is kind of a double-edged sword because, yeah, you may get engagement, but you're also going to get a lot of fucking crazy people who just want to stir trouble up or don't really understand what you're saying or want to create a controversy and stuff like that. So I think, I think for me, it, it's a lot more fear than anything else of becoming a face of anything or voicing my opinion online because, yeah, it may reach people, but is it worth the pain and suffering of dealing with the the insane crowd? Okay, but... Stand by what you say, and then everyone else can just fuck off. Like, but I mean, dude, when it comes down to it, though, you can't reason with the insane. 
it, you it, can't it's, please everybody. You can't please everybody. Right. So say what you got to say, and then anyone else who has a problem with that can just change the channel. But it's a hive mind on the internet, my friend. It's a hive mind where you, you post something out that's... No, but yeah, I'm I mean, saying you just, people you who just have to know it's, with you just have to know. You just have to know it's not about you. It's about them, right? right. You just have to brush it off. No, and that that doesn't bother me. It's just it, it's just too emotionally exhausting. I mean, just to right. to wade through some of the negative things that go on. But yeah, neither here nor if there. it's if it's too emotionally exhausting, then you're caring too much about it. Of course. I mean, I think That's what happens is personality, though. You know that. Yeah, but what happens is after a while, when the pain of paying attention to it becomes unbearable, then you will stop uh, absorbing it. And then you'll be like, why didn't I just do this before? But I get what you're saying. But real quick, I'll, uh, I'll end with this. I, uh, I'm really excited about this Amazon purchase that I got. What do you see in my hand here? I cannot tell. It looks like four four circular objects wrapped in a plastic shell like batteries. They look like ding, batteries. Ding, 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 ding. They, they are batteries. Okay. They are batteries. I have uh, four of them. These are the little circular round batteries. And they're LR44. Do you know what requires LR44 batteries? I'm not even going to answer that question. Digimon. No, no. One of the like the little portable Digimon. Yeah, bro. Key the keychain. The keychain. <laughs> the keychain. The thing with that the three I haven't buttons. seen for like 15 years, bro. I've Are had you this. Kidding me? I have two of them. That's why I have four batteries because they each require two batteries. So I'm going to find someone to to use the other one and we can like battle. But dude, yeah. send one to me. I would totally Digimon, do that. Digimon, bro. Mail it. I'm Mail really it. excited about this. Bro. And there was a way too. I remember there was a way like some type of cheat code where there's a plastic strip when you buy something that's brand new and then you have to pull the plastic strip out to like activate the two pieces of metal touching each other that make the toy fun. Right. There's a way to like Somehow when you reset it and then you're holding down the buttons and then you pull down the bla- the plastic strip and then right away you start with a Digimon that is like the full-grown Super Digimon instead of having to go through like the stages of evolution. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about this. I just want to mention that really quick. Uh, okay. And then so I'm done. Actually, I don't anything else. <laughs> so, what, no, no, no. Actually, that transitions into uh, – I had like five topics written down and I we haven't gotten to any of them. But one of them happened to be – uh, so I'm curious about you. So for me, and I feel like you're the same way, N64 is the pinnacle of a pleasant gaming experience. Like, you, I I don't know what your thoughts are. Yes, no, maybe? Uh, yes. And I also want to recognize Grand Theft Auto V any of the Madden games and, uh, you know, the Madden franchise, Call of Duty franchise, Grand Theft Auto franchise, PlayStation, Xbox. Okay, 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 okay. My gaming, my gaming shifted. I know, like, I still, anytime you ask me to want to play a video game, I love N64, but all, like, the games that come out these days, I don't care for unless it's Grand Theft Auto, Madden, or Call of Duty. That's really the only thing I'm interested in these days as far as the modern consoles. That, that is true. That is true, but you think you think to some of the the most I don't know equitable and equal yes. type of yes. playing experiences. Yes. It's like it's Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Legend of Zelda, um, um, even like uh, the Pokemon game or whatever. Golden Eye, Golden Eye. It was all- it was like the last all around best council that everybody from the age of you know two to a hundred could enjoy. Yes. Even if you were a, you know, no matter what, uh, tribe you associated with, so to speak, what's it called uh, in, uh, in high school click or click, whatever, yeah. no matter, you know, 
N64 was you can anyone could play that. It didn't matter what you were into, what type of personality you were. Anyone who could hold the controller loved that console. It was an equal playing field. Yes. And so I had this strong, like, super attachment to uh, Mario Kart on N64. And so my brother, uh, uh, while I was gone, ended up, now that I'm back, ended up getting a Nintendo Switch. I don't know if you've ever interacted with the Nintendo Switch before. Yes. I played the Switch, and they have baby controllers, and I don't really care for it. I can't. It's too <laughs> difficult to. So I'm past that, right? So what he has done is that he has transformed because apparently the Switch can be plugged into a port that connects to the computer, and so suddenly it becomes a gaming system in the same way that like an N64 console does. Yes. And I, for the longest time, I mean, him and I would do N64. Uh, every time that I was in town, we'd play rounds and rounds, and he finally introduced me to the new Mario Kart on the Nintendo Switch that he got controllers for. So it's not it's not the like little Switch con- uh, gauges and stuff like that. And even with those like Switch controllers, now he bought a controller that he can just plug them into, and so it becomes a normal gaming controller. It is the wildest thing. I was so resistant to doing that. Like, this is so... Look, I mean, all of my muscle memory when it comes to something like Mario Kart on N64 just kept going, going, going. Like, I knew how to, like, uh, drift. I knew how to get the prizes. I knew, you know, all these different things. It's like, just try it. Just try it. And so the first first couple of times, I was like, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And so over the course of the past couple of weeks now, we've been playing... Uh, on the weekends, probably about, I don't know, something like 20-something races, so like five different um, yeah. Grand Prix-type things. And now I'm like, this is so much more enjoyable than it was the N64. It took me so long to get there, though, dude. Yeah, if I had different controllers, for sure. I just, within seconds, I'm like, eh, I don't really care about this anymore. The controllers are too... It's like I can't – my hands are too big. I have adult hands. Right? Like <laughs> yes. it seems like they're for little kids. No, that is so true. And that's like – that was the thing. He's like, no, there's just – you know, you can hook it up. You can sync actual controllers and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go through it, blah, blah, blah. And now for me, it, when it's like, hey, you want to play Mario Kart, I just assume it's going to be the Nintendo Switch thing. And I have become – comfortable with that which is something that i never thought i never thought that i would abandon n64 mario kart um right and here i am playing nintendo switch mario kart cool (laughs) i don't have anything else (laughs) me neither well i do but we're at the end time we'll save it for next time we'll save it for next time another one in the books of stream of thought until next time until next time (laughs) 